evening, everyone. I can start out by thanking everybody who listens to my archive on the Blog Talk website. Um, it's super helpful as a revenue source for um, Rough Trade and for my own site. So um, every time you listen to um, a audio show from a past from a past episode, you know, um, and it gives you a little advertisement in the front. Well, that's putting pennies in my pocket to help run my site. So I super appreciate all those of you who browse my archive and listen to the shows. Um, thank you very much. Super appreciated. Um, based just on archive listings, listenings, the show has been paying for itself for about five months now. Paying for itself and giving a little bit every month to Rough Trade and um, KaraMarcos.com. So awesome, super appreciated. Uh, <clears throat> but um, and I'm gonna try to get on a more regular schedule so you guys can have some new stuff to listen to and you know to listen to the same crazy ass shit, you know. Um, so for those of you who've always you know expressed to me that you have um, that you're that you can't offer me the kind of support that you wish you could. Um, listening to my archive is a awesome way to support my site and um, Rough Trade because that's revenue that goes right back into the site and into running Rough Trade and, and, and doing the radio show. So just put me on whenever you're, you know, just think about it. You know, I'm not, I'm not begging, <laughs> but if you want to support me, that'd be an awesome way to do it. I'm going to discuss it in my newsletter, which I'm late writing, but I was waiting to do my project files for Rough Trade for July before I got into that whole newsletter thing for Jim. Or did I already do my newsletter for June? I didn't mean to if I did because I was waiting to do the um, rough trade thing. Um, <clears throat> now, I don't recommend that you listen to any of my shows without headphones unless you're alone in your house. Because I got a foul mouth and I've, um, yeah, I have not done a June news- newsletter. Um, and I know it. I got a, I got a real dirty mouth. So, um um, headphones are always super appreciated, and my phone, I fucking forgot it again, see, there I go, using dirty words, um, upon my mama, she has been, um, my mother has as much of an obsessive compulsive disorder as I do, and she took up coloring about a year ago, and this woman has about 60, and I'm not kidding, she has 60 different coloring books. So every day around this time, I get a couple of um, text messages from my mother, and they are um, pictures that she's colored that she wants to share with me. That's interesting. Azure says in the chat room that her dad thinks I have a lovely voice. Um, There are a couple of minions who have um, pets who also really enjoy my voice, Um, especially cats. Cats apparently really enjoy my radio show. Who knew? So if your cat is by themselves at home and you want to entertain them, put me on and just go do your business. Apparently cats love me. So you could just put my show on. If you go back a couple, like, if you go back in the archive, it will automatically cycle to the next episode. So if you went, I don't know, 10, 15 episodes back, 
that's eight, ten hours, fifteen hours of entertainment for your cat while you're at while you're at work. I'm just saying, and it also puts money in my pocket. <laughs> uh, anyways, tonight's plot drift is about um I'm I'm gonna do a Harry Potter plot drift that seems to be actually the easiest one that I I do um for plot drifting it's really easy to brainstorm for that and um so i'm going to do that first and uh remember if you're in the chat room and you're and you're participating if i say no don't keep harping on your idea because it's distracting okay uh i don't know rogue rogue says she has one that would freak out because she runs from practically everyone I am that one person um that if I go to your house your uh, your animal's going to end up sitting in my lap no matter what it is snake ferret parrot lovebird very tiny could be an alligator lizard it, it doesn't matter. Animals love me. Whether I want to hold them or not, I have had a lap full of practically every animal of a person that I know that I've been to their house. So, your cat might like me. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. She might like me. And she might try to rescue me from whatever device you you let her listen to me on. So, be careful which device you put out. Cute story. I've got um, two dogs, and I used to have an analog phone line, and it was a really old phone line. Like I was talking like 30 or 40 years old, and it had audio leakage, and I didn't know it. And the phone line ran down the back of my house into a box. Now, my dogs, when I would get on the phone, they could hear me in the line in the box because of you know, you know of how dogs hear and come to find out my, my phone kept fucking up and I was like why is my phone fucking up and then I realized that whenever I would get on the phone not me not my husband just me when I would get on the phone the the phone line would start jumping and getting a lot of static on it right come to find out my dogs were trying to rescue me from the phone box. They would try to they would try to dig into it when I was on it because they could hear my voice and couldn't figure out where I was. And eventually, because the phone line in the box took so much damage from the dogs, and we had no way of blocking it off, that we got a digital line that's on the front of the house so they don't have access to it. Not, not that they could actually hear it in a digital line, but they, they no longer have access to the phone box that was keeping me hostage. But they did try to rescue me. And Azure's cat tries to rescue me, too. It was very weird. So when I brought the phone guy out, I was like, my dogs keep chewing on this. And I didn't know why, because I didn't know they were hearing me. And he explained it to me. And I said, so they're trying to rescue me. And he was like, yeah, they think you're stuck in the box. I was like, that is just terrible and charming. And I can't even be mad at them. But look what the damage they did. (laughs) It was terrible. So, yeah, yeah, it was a thing. It was totally a thing. Um, 
For those of you who are in the chat room but who are not getting the audio on Blog Talk, you might consider going back to Facebook. Well, they can't hear me. So why the hell am I giving them these instructions? Never mind. Someone gives it those instructions in the in the um uh chat room. Anyways, so tonight's uh plot drift is Harry Potter is an ancient. And I've been thinking for the last 20 or so minutes about how I would approach that and what I would do with it. And um, for those of you who are curious about what my mother sent me, she sent me a picture of a fairy in a purple sparkly dress with shining silver wings. It's very cute. Uh, I told her she should get an Instagram. I just put all of her shit on that. But um, I don't know how she feels about that. Also, I'm not really sure my mother needs another social medium because she's already taken over. You know, she's like got this. She's got Facebook issues. She's got like five thousand Facebook friends. I'm not kidding. Um, I think she's actually reached her maximum number of Facebook friends that she's allowed to have. Regardless, that's totally not on the topic. But then, if you listen to my show for the last two and a half plus years, you you know that my topic um, is never quite on topic. Uh, Blogsoft keeps sending me these, um, I guess they're motivational letters, and I'm sure they're just like, uh, everybody gets them as a form letter, but it seems deeply personal because it always starts with um, suggestions on ways to make your show more professional. So I always double bird that email and then close it and move on, because come on. Anyways... I wouldn't be me if I was professional. <laughs> it wouldn't be nearly as entertaining. Well, I guess it could be more entertaining if I had some, you know, structure, but <sighs> that's a lot of work, people. That's a lot of work. Anyways, Harry Potter is an ancient. And I was thinking about ways um, to kind of root that um, so that it's not a special condition for him, that it's not something that um, he's alone in, because Harry Potter in canon is alone a lot. He's um, he's alone in a lot of ways, and so I was thinking about how to make it less special that he's ancient, and then it crossed my mind that perhaps um, you know how they kick Daniel Jackson out. And he had to, like, uh, lay on his naked, butt naked. But what if an ancient, an actual ancient, an Alteran, gets in trouble with the rest of the others? Do they drop him naked on a planet with no memories? Or because he's part of who they are, do they treat that ancient with a little bit more respect? And then I was thinking about it, if there were other ways you know, what other reasons why an ancient might be put down on Earth. And then I had this whole thought about how, you know, maybe the prophecy spurned an ancient to go down to Earth and be Lily Potter's baby, but then that was kind of weird. And so... I thought about how ancients might come down to earth and be born again. And um, this is this is kind of what I settled on for this particular story. So 
an ancient, for whatever reason, I guess it would depend on what the ancient is and what and who they're going to be on Earth as to why they go. Like, in some cases, it, it might be punishment. In other cases, it could be um, because the ancient has lost touch with, um, has lost all empathy and needs to be reconnected with um, just the human experience. And so my thought is, is that Lily and James are having a great, a a very hard time conceiving and they uh, may perform some kind of fertility ritual. And during that, because I don't want what, would really bother me is for just an ancient decide just to impregnate Lily with himself because that's just really creepy. So I would like them both to like okay, agree to take a baby um, through a ritual magic connection so that when um, like genetically he is Lily. And James's baby, but he's also got ancient genetics, and but all of his ancient memories are locked away. So when he's born, he's um, he's their baby. He's Harry, and he's not um, some fifty thousand year old being stuck in uh, a human baby. So. But there is that, someone mentioned um, Merlin in the chat room. There is the idea that Merlin is an ancient. So, and Merlin is magical in Harry Potter, or at least in my version of Harry Potter. I don't think Merlin is actually mentioned in all of Harry Potter. I'm not particularly sure. I think that's just fanon, that, you know, lots of magical fanon ends, ends up in fan fiction for Harry Potter. Oh, even better. Julie says, what if ritual magic only produces ancients? Like an actual ancient and not a- an ascendant ancient. I like that better. You could also put that premise on um, the Jedi concept. Is it that ritual magic also produces Jedi? Or the ritual magic produces sentinels and guides? Um, there are lots of ways you can play with that. Is like when a when a couple has to resort to magical um, conception, um, they have to accept some kind of consequence for their child, whether it be um, a slight alternate. I mean, there's there's going to be some kind of alteration in who they'll be based on that. That that's actually really interesting because you you can play that concept a lot. You could move it around and do whole bunches of different things with it. Like say for instance that ritual magic babies are always shapeshifters, or they're produces ancients, or they're sentinels, or they're guides, or just that'd be really interesting. That's just like there's there's so many ways you can play with that. Or that ritual babies always, always have a greater purpose. Okay, Jeep 10 says Merlin is HP Cannon in the order of Merlin, of course, yes, and the, and the Chocolate Frog card. Um, yeah, duh. That, that, but 
I, I think that's all we get. Cause I don't remember any history of Merlin. Um, and then we didn't get any magical history at all, really, which was really frustrating. I think that's probably one of the um, deepest frustrations I have with the Harry Potter series. And I try to remind myself that it wasn't written for adults. It was written for um, it's it's young it's children's books. Um, so of course we don't we're not going to get the kind of content that we want re- regarding um, rituals and um, advanced magic and um, the history of um, the magical species and you know I'm really interested in hearing about witch burnings and how that impacted the magical community. These aren't things we're going to learn because they're not. Um, I don't know that. I would be really surprised if J.K. Rowling used Merlin as a swear word. Yeah, and the goblin, and the goblin revolts, rebellions. The wiki has Merlin as a Slytherin. <laughs> I wonder if that's from. The, I wonder if that's from his chocolate frog card. Maybe that'd be pretty funny. Anyways, so. If I do a ritual magic baby, like Jilly suggested, that's really cool because that way I don't have to, um, there's no um, consent issue. Consent issue was really bothering me. Um, And all that. So, I would love a chocolate frog or just chocolate. It doesn't have to be shaped as a frog, it could be a dragon or a bunny or a Christmas tree filled with peanut butter or an egg filled with peanut butter. I'm just saying. I wouldn't turn down a big chocolate marshmallow bunny right now. That would be really good. A marshmallow fluff chocolate bunny. I'm just saying. That would be really good. Anyways. So the ritual magic um, creates ancients. That's also an awesome way... um, in a world building perspective to to produce um new ancient genetics that leak out into the muggle world you know cuz eventually like if a line goes to squibs but the ancient genetics are still moving around that squib and that squib ends up in the muggle world and it reproduces and a couple generations later you got Jack O'Neill So the squibs kind of spread ancient genetics um, out, which would also um, it could also explain how ancient genetics start moving away from Celtic families as more cultures, magical cultures around the world start to experiment with ritual conception, maybe that was first given to uh, 
Magicals by Merlin in Avalon, and that ritual starts to spread out from um, Avalon from Great, and then eventually what will become Great Britain. Um, so that while there is a higher concentration because it's been there for a very long time in um, the UK, it starts to spread out to other countries based on the ritual um, the magicals are using to create babies. And every once in a while, one of their lines throws a squib, and that squib ends up in the muggle world and passes the ancient genetics out into the muggle population. It would also explain why there aren't a lot of gene carriers, while they're why they are quite, kind of rare, and also why some people have like recessive ancient genetics because they are so far removed from the magical line that they aren't getting all they need. They're not getting that activator gene that makes their um, ancient genetics um, active, duh, act, just active. So. From a world building, that's just really awesome world building. You can just spread that out so much across those two fandoms and connect them. As to I think that though um, I think that magical people wouldn't realize that they were creating ancients. That it would just be known that if two magicals were um, strong enough to do a ritual conception, um, that they would make a very, very, very magical baby. And that way, um, when the prophecy is revealed, James and Lily, who who know that their son was created in a ritual, um, realize immediately that it's about Harry. Um, and I don't, you know, I don't know if people would share whether or not their child was born through ritual. I think that would be a very um, personal kind of piece of information that they wouldn't, or conceive through ritual, that they wouldn't um, necessarily acknowledge the fact that, that, that their baby was conceived through magic. Uh just to, um, I don't know, it, it just seems very intimate and personal to be banding that information out around that you knocked your wife up in a ritual. <laughs> That's just nobody's business. It just seems like that would be nobody's business. But then you have some kids every once in a while, every few generations, or maybe every generation, there's one or two, three, four kids that stand out as exceptionally magical. And everybody's like, oh, okay. <laughs> I see what they did. <laughs> but, you know. Well, I don't think that the birth certificate would even have that information because Lily would still have to go through the entire pregnancy and give birth. So it wouldn't be like they have to. I mean, you don't have to list where you got knocked up on your birth certificate. I'm really glad of that fact. I would not want to know where my parents conceived me. I'm pretty sure it was in the back seat of a car, but I don't know for certain. Well, I think that in the Harry Potter world, um, magical conception allows for the most natural kind of um, male pregnancy. 
I think that you could do use like a vessel, um, but those children would be obviously created in. Um, I think anytime you include you have two men who are having a baby together, that there that's obviously a, a magical ritual conception, whether whether they discuss it or not. I mean, there's no other way that could possibly happen. Although I did read a really awesome one once where um, a wizard could take a potion. Um, to get pregnant, it would, it would make him receptive to being pregnant, and then the other wizard would, you know, help him get pregnant, <laughs> and then there would be a baby. <laughs> a baby. <laughs> I think that. <laughs> that um, technology can often look like magic. It depends on the sophistication of your audience. Um, because if you put a smartphone in the hands of someone from the 1600s, they would think you'd put witchcraft in their hand. Think about it. A phone. Just think about putting a phone in the hands of someone or a radio, or a computer, or just any of that. They, it, it would look like absolute magic to them. I mean, it would, it would absolutely look like magic. And a lot of chemistry, would um, advanced chemistry that we use today, would look like magic. I mean, we can create synthetic fabric. That wouldn't even... Just, a, just imagine how they'd respond to that. I mean, that's just like... That's amazing that we can create fabrics that you wear on your body that don't come from a plant or an animal. It was like voodoo. <laughs> so uh, alchemy, yeah. It, it just so, the more advanced your culture is, the less magic looks like magic. And the more um, primitive the culture is, the more technology looks like magic. And who's to say that magic is actually magic? Perhaps that's just the perception that magic users have that it's magic when it could in fact just be an advanced manipulation of physics due to genetic traits that that they possess. So you could demystify magic to the point where you're like, oh, God, it's just science. That's really boring. <laughs> you know, because it's all about perspective. An airplane would look like magic to someone from the 1500s. Unless that person, you know, just... Sometimes flight looks like magic to me. I don't know how, I don't know how some of that shit stays in the air. I really don't. It concerns me. A lot. Anyways, so if I go with the magic ritual, that's awesome because that, that that removes the um, the consent issue, which is always a super concern for me. And let's see. Dumbledore is unaware. Not that I think it would matter to him, you know, on the the baby drop off 
um, night whether or not the baby was going to have a great deal of magical power. In fact, he assumes that Harry Potter is going to be especially powerful because of the prophecy. Maybe science is magic, and maybe magic is science. Gross. I don't want to think about old Dumble's parents, old parents having had sex in a ritual circle. Okay. I've always wanted to play. I, I talked to, um, I think, Jillian Ladyholder, and maybe Azure was there, about, um, I'm not sure what, what time it was, because that depends on who's who's in our chat, our private chat, as to who's available at any particular time on who I was talking to, because I keep weird hours. Anyways, I was talking to the ladies about what would happen if James Potter was a parcel mouth, and the night he was killed at Godric's Hollow, his familiar, a snake, snuck into Harry's blankets before Hagrid picked him up. Um, before Hagrid and Sirius arrived. So this snake goes with him to Privet Drive. This very highly magical snake goes with him to Privet Drive to um, protect him because Harry's all he has left, he or she has left of James Potter, who was... um, her master. I'm, I'm going to go with her. I like the idea of using a female snake because it's very maternal. Um, <laughs> Sorry, the chat room got distracting. Um, well, no, I don't think female snakes in general are maternal, but I could make a magical one as maternal as I wanted to. Um, I'm very fond of using the Ruta, which, um, so I have a choice between um, my snake that I made, the Japanese dragon snake, um, an elemental. I think I might go with an Elemental Viper just because a, a mature Elemental Viper in my personal headcanon is capable of being invisible and very small. So if this snake's going to be with Harry until he goes to Hogwarts, she needs to be able to hide herself and to be small enough for him to carry around and it not be a burden for him when he's a toddler. So if she's tiny and she can hide... And she would be familiar with him and him familiar with her since she would have been in the house. So when Harry wakes up after the events of being dropped on the doorstep in the middle of November or the 1st of November in winter in Britain, he'll at least have his father's familiar with him. I like the idea of putting that in with the ritual conception baby. So I'm not sure what kind of ancient gifts would get passed to him. Um, but I would, I don't want the fact that he's ancient to make him 
more special than he already is. He doesn't need that burden. <laughs> he doesn't need that added burden in this particular thing. Um, well, um, and that's why I think I want to go, okay, Lady Holder asked in the chat room, can the snake generate a bit of warmth for her and the baby? And what I think is the reason I want to go with the Elemental Viper is that they're capable of creating Elemental Fire, um, which can either be used as a comfort for themselves or their owner or as a weapon. So it would um, allow her to keep Harry warm. I get this. There's a... Uh, preview of the new Jungle Book movie where the snake is moving down through the trees and she's telling him you know, to, to trust her and to, and to come with me and I will keep you safe and it's really fucking creepy that's the vibe I'm getting from the snake it's like she's not which, which is why I almost wanted to make her um, a rune spore because rune spore in my personal headcanon are kind of vicious um and I could make a rune spore elemental if I wanted to. I mean, it's my shit. I can do what I want with it. Um, I could give her fire and oh, yeah. I, I kind of like that because then um, there would be three of them, three heads. Um, and if James had this rune spore as a familiar, then he would have already spelled them to make sure they don't kill each other. Um, I could make her an elemental rune spore and that she has fire. She has a fire element. Well, the ash winder is made from magical fire. It's it's not a real snake. It's a um it's an it's literally made of ashes. So um it isn't even a permanent um sort of uh creature. It It spawns from magical fire. It lays its eggs and then it it dies. So <laughs> I do think Rune Spore would either make for dead Dursleys or very very well behaved Dursleys. Because if I make her a Rune Spore, an elemental Rune Spore at that, she could sneak upstairs. And and do things to them while they're asleep. Whisper in their ear. To the lizard part of their brain, so to speak. <laughs> well, the thing is, is that she would have... Someone in the, ch- in the chat room, Dawn, asked if what would stop the snake from killing the Dursleys. Uh, I think that she's smart she was definitely you know she was his familiar she was she's smart she wants to stay with harry and she knows that if dumbledore finds her he'll kill her Cause dumbledore thinks parcel mouse are the devil basically and so she's you know james always hid that he was a parcel mouth in my story so she definitely knows that she can't reveal herself to Dumbledore. So she would not risk killing the Dursleys. 
because it would draw attention to her and perhaps Harry, but more importantly to her, and she doesn't want to get um, caught because she can't help Harry if she's dead. Yeah, Rune Spore Kills Dolly's is a whole different drift. Although it's really funny because it brings to mind this um, particularly cracky story I once read that was really funny and it amused me a lot. Where um, uh, Harry turned into a dragon and flew to the Dursley's house. And they drowned in dragon shit. <laughs> Just about it without laughing. They literally drowned in dragon shit. <laughs> it is terribly gross, but really, really funny. Really funny. Um, could she be like Menon? Menon. I can't. Menon. That's the snake I had in. Um, it's. Uh, a piece of jewelry that Harry wears in um, Birth of the Serpent King where, and he also gets one in um, War Mages, because he came from um, uh, Narcissa to begin with, and he's metal, and he's a healing bracelet. He's not um, uh, a real creature. He was he was created through magic. Um but it would be interesting if an elemental rune spore could shapeshift. So she could turn herself into, say, no, well, if she can be invisible, there's no reason for her to shift her shape to to hide. Not for a little boy. Especially not a little boy in, Patern- in Petunia Dursley's class um, house, um, but when he goes to school, she can go with him invisible. And if she's an elemental, I can give her all kinds of gifts like invisibility. And the ability to speak to him with no one else hearing it, like a mental connection. Like maybe she bonds with Harry and becomes his familiar. And if I give her mental abilities, she can manipulate the fuck out of the Dursleys. That's amusing. And it also gives Harry a better life. Which is good. I think that by the time Harry got to Hogwarts, he would be very well versed in a variety of things. And maybe she even leaves Privet Drive and goes places and checks things out and comes back and tells him. If I make her elemental, my elemental viper can use fire to travel like a phoenix. Dark says, maybe he was Harry's all along because if her bond was broken with James, wouldn't that have consequences? Um, It greatly depends. I think on the creature. I think some creatures, um, a familiar bond would be catastrophically bad. Like maybe even they would die with their owner. Whereas a rune spore, 
um, in my personal canon, um, as far as I developed, is very pragmatic, um, vicious, and prone to revenge. Um, I would say probably that even James isn't her first wizard, just her latest wizard, and that she might have been passed down through his family for, for generations. She could have originally been Godric's for all, if I, if I go that route. So she could be, you know, passed down literally through the generations, and that maybe James's grandfather had her and gave her to James. That's derailing. I guess that depends on how you view the runes for. Christy says in the chat room, "What if only one of the heads was bonded to James?" Now, our runes four has three heads: um, the planner. the dreamer, and the voice of reason. Oh, you know what? Yeah, I do plan to call her the fates. I I am going to call her the fates, um, which is... uh, I forget their names, but I'll have to look it up in the um, soulmate bond because I... um, um, I did name each of the heads. Uh, I think that while they all three have different personalities and they all three have a voice, that they are essentially the same. They're the same being, um, the same creature. So it it would be because they're because they share a body. That means they share magic. And familiar bonds, it seems to me, would be a magical connection. So one head couldn't be bonded unless all three were in on it. I mean, it, it would have to be a mutual decision. No, those aren't the names I use. I use the other names. Dark just put up a list of names. Um, I went with the other myth. Um, one of them was Morta, M-O-R-T-A. I still, I still remember the others. Uh, anyways, because I kind of twisted um, that particular mythology around to to suit myself. So, why is it important that Harry is an ancient that has to have some kind of um, importance beyond magical ability? Um, so it makes parcel it makes parcel mouth parcel um parcel magic a family trait, oh God, my pen's dying, isn't that the most horrible feeling? Yes, that's what I went with Jilly, but I think I changed the way I spelled that D one. Um, Nana, I I think I went with Decima instead of Decima and Morta. Um, There's nothing worse in the whole world than when your pen dies. It's like just agonizing. It's just the most terrible, well, not quite the most terrible experience I've ever had, but, you know, I think that probably involved a man being very disappointed. Um, Um, that's really disappointing. But I, but I broke this pin anyway, so okay. You know, I'm, I'm not gonna be too upset. I broke the top of it. 
Yes, I went with Decima. Yeah. Nana, Decima, and Morta. The only thing worse than uh, a pin running out is breaking in a new pin. Anyways. So, why, why, why is it important that Harry is ancient? See, I just, mentally, I just went to that spot to make him special, right? Because I, I thought to myself, well, what if he's, um, his ancientness is important because he's the first successful ritual conception in a couple hundred years? And as a result, he has a really, really, really deep connection with ritual magic. And maybe that is genuinely the um, what Tom Riddle doesn't know is um, that's the power that he know, that he knows not that is basically um, <clears throat> the the abilities of an ancient. I know, yeah, I know what you mean. Me and Spelling don't, don't, don't get on either, Dark. That's really interesting. Dark says in the chat room, what if being an ancient or, you know, ancient ritual conception um, is what protected him from the killing curse because you can't force ascension? The assumption being that um, the curse backlashed because Voldemort tried to force Harry's ascension. It works out because then at the very end of the series, when Harry sacrifices himself, it wasn't a forced ascension. He allowed Voldemort to kill him. So it wasn't forced, and it did work, but he got put back in his body anyway. But it was also his choice to return. It's an interesting idea. Very, very interesting. Um, and it plays well for like the whole, uh, it plays well for the whole um, concept of Harry living and dying and living and dying. Um, much better than that fan theory where it went that Harry would never die, that he gave up the opportunity to die because only Tom Riddle could kill him. Well, the fact that they both entered the ritual um, together to create the baby um, creates consent. So um, <clears throat> limiting it to people who um, love purely would actually be kind of terrible because most people aren't capable of, li- of loving purely. <laughs> so, you know... And also, I think that in a larger scale for the world building, it would definitely lower the number of ancients that are out there flitting around the world in the in the, in the Muggle world. Hello, Lady Holder. Hello, I missed the last five minutes. I'm sorry, I had a phone call from the spouse. 
So, <laughs> um, oh, we were talking about. The, well, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> go for it. I didn't hear it. So. Oh, we, we were talking about. Um, Dark had suggested that ascension might um, protect him from the killing curse because you can't force ascension, and. Um, I talked about how it would um, actually work really well because in the end, um, Harry was killed because he walked into it and allowed it to happen. It, it wasn't um, a non-consensual murder. It was basically a suicide. Well, yeah, but here's the other problem with that, and, and I'm sorry for poking the hole, is um, Harry at the time of his conception is physically an ancient. He is as far as, as what you were building before the husband called, mm-hmm. um, you were basically building a kid who he is a brand new ancient. He's he's not somebody who was up on your version of the astral plane and decided that looks like okay. a good one with a view and I'm going to go visit. Um, right. So it's he he's brand new. He's never been ascended. So why would why would um, if, he's, if Ascension is supposed to, to um, produce protection against the killing curse, he's not been ascended. There's no kill, there's no, no protection. No, that's not what the, that, that wasn't her theory. The theory is, uh-huh. is that because he's an ancient, when he dies, he's going to ascend. And uh-huh. you can't force okay. Ascension. So you can't kill okay. an ancient unless they're ready to die. And what, they that now call that the master of death? Well, then that's a shit ton of, of ancient kids running around that, that there should be more survival. <laughs> but the thing is, is the, you know, the thing is, is that the ancients embraced ascension often as quickly mm-hmm. as possible. So, well, yeah. <laughs> That's interesting, Twilight. She says, what if all the ghosts at Hogwarts are ascended ancients and they've been waiting for an ancient to arrive on the train? That would be an interesting sorting, right? <laughs> so, I, I I think there would be a shit ton of, of ancients sitting at the, at the tables going, what about this one? Is he going to do anything? No. Well, uh, no. No. He doesn't fit. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> Look what I found. Hello, nurse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dark says children that don't understand uh, that that young don't understand death, so they have no way to accept it. Kids understand death if you explain it. Yeah, but and not at fifteen kids months old. Listen. Fifteen months old, he wouldn't understand death. No. No, he wouldn't. Cute. Well, disturbing. The whole point to make him ancient, mm-hmm. there has to be some special reason to make him ancient in the story. It, it just can't be a throw-off. It's it has to have meaning. Well, do you so, want to cross over into Sister Gate? Because you're you're flirting awful hard with it, even if you even if you haven't labeled it as such. Well, okay, I don't think so. I would actually go that far, but just the implications of it are really interesting. Yes. You know, but I'm um, saying, how the ancient you, genetics you, could spread all over the planet because of magical conception. That's just really interesting. Mm-hmm. Where I might okay. not put Harry on Atlantis, 
at any point. It would be really interesting for Daniel or someone in anthropology to figure it out. And they go back to Earth and say, hey, um, where are all the magical people? And they'll be like, we don't have any. How'd they hear about the magical people? <laughs> they were in Pegasus. How'd they hear about the magical people? <laughs> well, you know, Rodney is the one who was sitting there, and, and you know, he did the, the, the head dive into Atlantis and her computer systems and flirted hard with the edges of Ascension and then came back. Yeah, but so, Jack did it first. But what I'm trying to say is that Jack also got a head sucky thingy right afterwards, at least as far yeah, as. Um, Jack did it twice. There's no way to say what he might have left behind during that time period. So it's very possible that they yeah. already know that on Earth, but they're not sharing it. Well, yeah, but, you know, what would be interesting with that is um, Rodney, you know, flirts with the edges of Ascension, comes back um, for his time back on Earth, looks over at Jack and goes, have you found them yet? And <laughs> Okay, so Lady Holder will be writing the the Stargate um, half. Oh, Oh, she'll be writing oh, the Stargate story. <laughs> no, I'm not writing it together. I'll have one project <laughs> in Harry Potter. You'll have another in Stargate. You're welcome. <laughs> I hate you so goddamn much. No, you don't. You fucking love me. I don't. You love the you love the fire I walk on. <laughs> I'll light it and too. the sulfur I breathe. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying that if you want to play with that, you're welcome to do so. But I probably would would not. I mean, because it's easy to see how the ramifications would spill out across different Mm -hmm. fandoms, depending on how you wanted to use it. Because you could also say that magical ritual babies um, and the fire Harry fucks Hermione on. Absolutely, yeah. I'll just put that in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'd probably done it with Draco, but sure. That is actually me. my favorite part of Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond, just to let you know. That is absolutely my favorite mm-hmm. part, which is why at the very end of season one, I had to let her set the whole bed on fire. I just, I had to. <laughs> Did I see that? I don't think I saw that. I have to, I have to go look for that. Because he told her, he said, I want you to know that I warded my entire babe, my entire bed for fire. And she's like, okay. <laughs> that's a, <laughs> that's a, uh, a bet right there, dumbass. On a bed of elemental fire. You know, sometimes you do something really, really awesome and you're like, hell yeah. That was one of my hell yeah moments when I, when I did that. I was like... <laughs> Now that's hot, literally. (laughs) (laughs) I might have clapped for myself a little bit even then, Um, because sometimes you know, as a as a writer, you're you're moving um, through uh, concepts and you find one that's either um, it's just really inspiring or entertaining to you, and um, which is why also everybody in that fic keeps saying Merlin's pants because it amuses the shit out of me. or like when Draco brings back the word word. Yes. In that old black magic and even Dumbledore ends oh, up God, saying I'm it. Reading that. And yeah. everybody gives uh, everybody gives him the biggest hairy eyeball when he says that. What the fuck? And he's like all smug cuz he learned something. 
Yeah. That's some funny shit. That's amusing to me. Although my favorite Merlin's pants moment is when Astoria says it. Bar by far, it is my favorite. When Harry comes back and and he's he's had to cut off all of his hair. (laughs) Merlin's pants. (laughs) You just see her with a panic face. What happened to your hair? Uh huh. And he's still upset with that. Some a couple <laughs> chapters later. Um, and yeah, it is. Um, the elemental fire does have more than a pornish view. Um, a pornish, mm-hmm. um, aspect because she does burn him. The first time he's exposed to her elemental fire, just granted, it's just hair damage, but she did cause him, um, damage. Mm-hmm. So, um. Him being able to interact with her fire later, and her her being able to use his, her fire to subjugate his magic for healing, also it plays into the level of trust that they've created mm-hmm. between each other. That it, so it it does have more than a porn potential, but it has excellent porn potential. Mhm. Who needs it? When he's the fireplace, when you want to make love right by the fire, honey, can you light this on fire, please? <laughs> Let's you. just have a little fire. Let's just, look, just a little bit. Yeah. Mhm. Yeah, his poor hair. Yeah. So, <laughs> what are the what are the mental gifts of uh, ascent of um, ancients? Not ascension, um, but ancients. Um, they had they had hands on healing. Yes, they did. Um, apparently the ability to, to survive after being at the, um, after being down a couple hundred feet to a couple, to a mile in solid ice, frozen solid. Was she frozen solid or was she in a pod? Yes, she was frozen solid. She was all by her lonesome in the ice, far down, and they, they, they found her and... They freaked out because she the, the ice melted around her as they were thawing her, so they could they could look at her, and she had a heartbeat, and they freaked. I haven't watched it. Can't in a while. really say. Do they actually have telepathy? Um, um, telepathy is that canon or fanon? Um, she got her. I know they, but she never spoke to them. I I know the healing. Mm-hmm. We never have actual telepathy mentioned. It would be really interesting because because of the way you the ancient genetics are spread out from the magical communities, um, Muggleborns could be coming into the magical world, bringing that ancient back. So there could be mm-hmm. kids at Hogwarts who don't have, who weren't a ritual conep- conception, who might have ancient genetics anyway, because mm-hmm. an ancestor yeah. in their past was created through mm-hmm. ritual. Capricious comments, it's canon and Tower Rodney. He is correct. Because, well, wait a second. Um, but no, see, that was because, because he was bordering on ascension. Mm-hmm. And the more he got, the closer he got to the, to ascension, the more ancient and he became. Mm-hmm. Because that the bigger is machine kind of rewired him into mm-hmm. an ancient. So yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, 
it had a lot further to go with Rodney, though, because, you know, he... Well, okay, his, Dark says... His, go ahead. I was going to say, his genetics are, are dilute. Quite dilute. Yeah. Diluted. Yeah. Um, okay, Dark says, but from a line of squibs, they were missing the activator gene, so they would they still have gifts? That isn't necessarily true, because if we follow through with the Stargate canon, both Jack O'Neill and John Shepard are from a line of squibs, and they do have activator genes, which means that John and Jack both probably have a little bit of magic. Perhaps not enough magic to go to magical school, but enough. Well, it might explain their luck. <laughs> you know, because God knows both of those guys should have died a couple times. Okay, so thank you, Safi. Is that how you say that? I hope so. I don't know. Still on the tablet, so I'm still using Firefox. It's being really itchy. Whatever. Um, yeah, Safi. They, the wiki doesn't sound like a sentinel. I put that in there. The ability to heal others with touch, partial telepathy, and powerful telekinesis. Hmm. The most, the once ascended Merlin returned to human form in the most advanced gene. ESP. Extrasensory perception. The thing is, is it says extraordinary sensory abilities. So you could easily translate that into sensory abilities, which is really cool. Yeah. Like I said, and... you know, if you could take that concept where ritual magic creates something on Earth that gets passed mm-hmm. around genetically, it could be anything from shape-shifting to sentinel abilities, to magic, to being an ancient. Um, hmm. <laughs> it would just be really interesting. It, um, it's a really it fun would. concept. It is, and it, and it would. It's just, I think the, the thing for me is it's meshing, um, meshing two universes that don't, that they meet up at only the barest edges. Well, that's the point. Yeah. That's the point, because what it it does is it it demonstrates that how, um, it kind of demonstrates the the butterfly effect, mm -hmm. in that something here is happening in the magical world, and it leaks out into the muggle world, and they don't know it. But they're spreading, neither one of them know it. Magicals don't know it. Because they don't even know what ancients mm-hmm. are. And the muggles don't know it because for years and years and years and years and generations and generations and generations, they had no idea that um, ancients even existed. Well, here's here's the thing for you. You have all of these people who are getting, you know, they may have the full recessive um, genome and they just need you know, something plugged into whatever the, the hole is so that way they can use it. You've got people like um, John and Jack who both are strong gene holders and they may have um, they may have enough magic to be able to actually make and use potions, you know, and stuff, but not actually, you know, produce a wand or at least well, use a wand 
as it Isn't is. Isn't that what a squib but, is? A squib is somebody who can interact in the magical mm-hmm. world and even see magical yeah. places, but they have no magic of their own. So, right. um, or they have the, they don't have enough magic to. But but here's the thing: how they're they're interacting with ancient stuff day in day out. At least John is, and his best friend. Um, in Tower of Rodney, since we're going to use there, since I, I'm apparently playing with that one. Um, in Tower of Rodney, he gets right up to the 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 lit up edge of ascension, and he comes back, and he's got he may not have all the knowledge, but he's certainly got the genetic changes. Okay, and this is the woman who says Ooh, she doesn't want to write this. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You sucked me into a lot of different things. That and sounded yes, dirty. That was creepy. Yes, it did. Really dirty. Yeah, really dirty. Um, yeah. I like the idea. The thing is, is that squibs must have some kind of magic, a little bit. Otherwise, mm-hmm. um, the main one at Hogwarts, what's yeah. his name? Oh, Finch. Filch. He wouldn't Filch. be able to see Hogwarts if he didn't have a little magic. Because well, Hogwarts is hidden have from the channels. Well, that's mm-hmm. her canon, not the actual canon yeah. of, the, um, of the series, of course. And she never really describes squibs. Really? You're, you're... See, the thing is, is that they have squibs means they're not muggles. So they have to have something going on there, whether it be just a little bit of magic or not enough magic to go to school. But, then, you know, you think about... Longbottom and how everybody called Neville mm-hmm. a squib even after he was admitted to Hogwarts and they expected him to be bad at magic or not to be able to control mm-hmm. his magic and not be able to use his wand and he did have problems using his wand because it wasn't actually his wand um, well that's why I think I like the, the channels routine because while there's magic there it's they they don't have the the equipment isn't either fully engaged or isn't even installed if you want to use it for that um, to be able to use the magic so I'm just thinking that with with John um, or with Rodney actually uh, he went up he went down and when he came back down. Instead of not having the channels that a mage, a magic user, ha- uh, instead, you know, being being his brain changed basically. He can handle. Okay. What? The thing is, is that in order to fix Rodney, they had to take away all that. Yeah, that's true. Damn it, there's that. But that's just Father. physical changes. And I think did, did Rodney even remember any of it, or it was like basically he a transport buffer it. thing? Um, okay, I think he remembered some of it in the chat, and they're talking about this, the Dementor um, and Mrs. Fig saw or felt the Dementor because she was a squib. Dudley did too. That makes him a squib. That makes Petunia a squib too, which makes sense yep. because Lily was a witch which means there's magical yeah. genetics in that family. So it makes sense that both Petunia and Dudley are squibs. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which would really explain Petunia's Petunia's never gonna be happy with that. bitterness about not being a mm-hmm. witch. 
which you don't find out about right. until book seven. Now, here's what's really interesting about that is that the actress kept hoping that there would be some redemption for her character. Or there, no, she actually wanted her character to actually be a witch. And so she was disappointed to read book seven and to find out that Petunia wasn't a witch. Mm-hmm. So here's the thing. The actress actually wanted to make Petunia more despicable than she already was. Mm. True. Imagine the ramifications of Petunia being a witch. She allowed Harry to be abused and neglected in her home because he had magic. Mm-hmm. Well, she could... You know, I'm re- I'm rereading um, uh, the War Mages, and I'm just I, I get I've gotten to the part where you know they comment um, about how between certain ages the Dark families basically torment and, and torture their kids in an effort to make them stronger. And all I can think of is continue to start it early. It's all in my headcanon that Petunia underfed Harry to starve his magic and to kill it. Mm, no. Didn't work for her. Well, no, it didn't work, but I think that's what she thought would work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's rough. If the ward was held by Petunia, then Harry's presence in the house wouldn't have been required. The ward was angered in Harry, mm-hmm. and he had to return to it every year for at least, what, 21 days, three weeks, two or mm-hmm. three weeks, to recharge the wards. If the ward was anchored in Petunia, they would have been continuously recharged the entire time she was there. So, no, the wards, whatever they were, were anchored mm-hmm. and attached to Harry because Harry was magical and Petunia was a squib. And it was based completely on their blood connection through his mother. Which means that Dudley would have been useful if if Petunia was gone. Vernon was useless. Vernon was always useless. Yeah. Well, Dark mm-hmm. says that she let Harry go hungry because she went hungry when she was little to feed Lily when they were kids. The thing is, that doesn't, um, yeah. that would have put both Petunia and Lily growing up in an abusive home. Or at the very yeah. least, a neglectful home. And Lily doesn't present that way at all in canon. So the fates can kill Vernon? <laughs> well, no, they can't. Because. They don't. They can. They absolutely cannot risk being separated from Harry. So they can't draw any kind of attention to themselves that way. Because if Vernon dropped dead from a, if if Vernon drops dead from a magical snake bite, Dumbledore will know. Yes, I know. But who says that that the 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 fates will use their venom to to kill him? You know, they can trip him on the way past. They're invisible. <laughs> All right. Just make themselves big enough at the top of the stairs and he'll crush himself to death when he falls on his fat head. 
Yeah. <laughs> Mike punched punch through that into the boot cupboard, and there's his fat head. I like that one. You know, just make sure Harry's outside or something. That way there's absolutely no, you know, you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm a... I'm with the fates. He dies. She doesn't have... Okay, Karen says that um, my godson's mother grew up in an abusive household and is now herself one of the most loving and devoted mothers I know. That's not what I said. I didn't say abusers grow up to be abusers. Some abused kids do grow up to abuse, Mm -hmm. but abused children have impact. It impacts them socially. It impacts them um, academically. And Lily was a shining star academically. So this is not a this this is not a child that grew up in an abusive and neglectful home. Number one, and another reason why you, that you can't say that Lily and Petunia grew up abused, if Lily was being abused. Severus Snape would have never gotten to Hogwarts because he'd have been in a muggle prison for killing their parents. <laughs> well, the thing is, is if there's a death in the home, don't, the wards are going to sound. They're going to go off. The wards are going to be... Logic. God damn it. Um, and of course, Dumbledore is going to come investigate. That isn't a um, situation that, especially a snake like the Fates could, um, or Fate, as I'll probably call her uh, in the story, could risk because she can't be exposed to Dumbledore because she knows James has told her, "Do not ever show yourself to Dumbledore. He will kill you given the opportunity." And her primary goal must be Harry and must be protecting Harry. So she has to manipulate them in some way. And also, I don't know if I want to have her kill for Harry before he's the age of 11. Do you know what kind of impact that would have on him? Good or bad. When you're that young, having that kind of power, because if they're familiar bonded, she wouldn't be able to keep it from him, what she had done. And it could impact him and their relationship for good or bad. Because, um, it just, oh, it's ugly to think about, like, even like Harry being seven or eight years old and the fates who are bonded to him magically, killing Vernon. Harry wouldn't be a witness if it was done away from him, but he would still witness it magically and mentally through their connection. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you've convinced me no no killing of Vernon by the (laughs) face. Because you don't want, I mean, I'm um, all, I mean, I'm perfectly capable of writing Harry um, dark. I, th- I, I think I've proved that. But I'd rather him not grow up to, um, I'd rather him not be a child killer. Like, literally a killer child. <laughs> yeah. I'm, all, I'm, because, I'm, I'm not for that either. But 
Because the way I think about a familiar connection is that wizard and familiar almost become one in a way. Magically, they they they, you know they personalities at least. Well, that yeah, my personal headcanon. Arlen is talking about when the Fates killed Fudge, um, and Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond. Um, they fed their enjoyment back to Harry through a very small bond because he doesn't have a familiar bond with them. Mm-hmm. Um, I ritually sacrificed I Bellatrix and Darkly Loyal. Yeah, no, and I sat there and enjoyed the hell out of that. <laughs> but this isn't a dark fix, so I'm not going to have Harry go around murdering people. That's just not, oh, honestly, the kind of fix that I normally um, write. I mean, think about it. So, well, except for John and what might have been. But he only killed bad guys. <laughs> uh-huh, and that one where, you know, he slit his throat and fed him to the sharks. But, hey, on to other things. Um, no, Jeep, that's not right, can... actually. Jeep says, uh, in canon, the soulmate bond is only a fool would bond with a rune spore. No, that's not who bonds with um, a rune spore. Someone very dangerous and very dark bonds with bonds with a uh, rune spore in Harry Potter and the soulmate bond. But the beauty of um, different universes is that I can change that in a Mm -hmm. new universe. Whereas only really powerful parcel mouse have the ability to bond with a rune spore. Safely bond with a rune spore. Because some dumbass will try. Um, they probably get killed for their trouble. Tra- oh, yeah. No loss. Anyhow, what I was also going to put in is um, the fate is she's got enough maternal in her. She's going to try and feed Harry. Yeah. And if Petunia is not feeding him and she's able to move from one place to another, he's not going to be under fed. No, 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 not at all. Um, in, a, in a way, um, depending on her abilities that I give her, she can manipulate the Dursleys in, in a variety of ways. So Harry might mm-hmm. not grow up loved or nurtured, but he won't grow up physically neglected. Um, and if it comes down to it, if it comes down to it, because she's an elemental, and in my personal head can, can, um elementals can travel um, through their element, fire, ice, earth, water, mm-hmm. whatever they have, they can, they can um, travel through it like, like a phoenix. Um, she could go to someone who's also in my head can, my one of my OCs, like Armand Deering, and say, um, I need you to do this, this, and this for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if and she's if, a if really she's... old rune spore... Um, he would have a great deal of respect for her. So if she says, I need you to do this, this, and this, and this, and I'd also like you to do this. And while you're there, would you get this trunk and put all this stuff in it? Because I need help. Mm-hmm. And also, I'd like a house elf. <laughs> yes. Well, if she's, if she's, been, if she's the, the um, Potter family um familiar, the one who is tied to the family magic, okay, and has been there for umpteen generations, okay, um, and you have Armand as being, again, a, a family retainer, he's familiar with her, he's seen her, Yeah. okay, 
by the oaths he's sworn, he knows that she's there. And for all that, that he's, he can't find Harry, once he sees her for the first time, he knows that, that Harry's fate, the fate is with her or with him. She could come and, and go so as she pleases goes. in the house because of her connection to Harry and the Potter magic. Mm-hmm. That, that works out really well. Um, but I think that the wards might keep out other parcel mouths mm-hmm. because of Dumbledore. And the fact that Harry, when those wards were placed, they were placed by his mother. Genetics and magic tie him to those wards. They, they, he can go in and out because they're him. Okay. Yeah, so, and that way he might Dumbledore might be blocking off everybody who's magical but Harry, and then he has mm-hmm. to adjust it because he doesn't want any magicals finding Harry, and no, no magicals come near the house sick. until the Order of the Phoenix, and they might be individually right. keyed into the wards. Right, but this is also that would also explain Mrs. Fig. Because if he's keeping all magicals away, a squib, somebody who cannot use magic, does not have access to magic, okay, would be able to enter. Yeah, you know, really also, Dumbledore doesn't want Flitwick or McGonagall anywhere near mm-hmm. Private Drive. No, because they, they'd roast that, that bastard so hard. <laughs> but Petunia and Dudley would be just like Mrs. Fig. Wards designed mm-hmm. to repel magicals would not repel them because they're not magical. Add to the fact they also share the genetics with um, with Harry. So there's enough. I don't actually there. want ancient Harry to be raised by the Dursleys entirely. Um, I think at some point. Although many of you have not seen it, my brain just went somewhere really awesome. Um, In my new um, James and Lily, I reveal that James, um, James's aunt, married Jonah McGregor. So Jonah McGregor is actually Harry's great uncle by marriage, because he married a Potter. Um, you've read that, haven't you? I've read, yeah. Um, and it it was uh, Jonah's sister married into the Potters. Mm, no, a snake is not going to raise Harry. That's creepy. Oh God, pragmatic to the max and well, very... she's protective, but she also has to acknowledge that she's not capable of raising this kid, and she can't mm. teach him magic and um. She can tell him about magic, and she can tell him about his parents and his family. Mm-hmm. Um, there's going to come a point when, um, there's nothing yeah. else she can teach him, and she needs somebody magical. She needs an adult. She, she's going to need an adult. <laughs> you know, all <laughs> that's funny. All I can think of, all I can think of is, you know, she's sitting there, and you know. Um, you know, going through the garden and just humming right along and goes, oh, mouse, Harry, would you like a nice fat mouse? I, no, <laughs> she's she's really old. She's going to know better than trying to bring the baby a mouse. Maybe no, if she was, I, like, no, really talking, young. 
no, I'm not talking about, you know, when he's a baby, you know, it's, it's more along the lines of, you know, he's freaking out about something and she decides to twit him, you know, <laughs> and just... <laughs> Well, what my idea is, is that Harry cannot change his circumstances um, until he's like five years old and can claim the heir ring to the House of Potter. So, and the face knows it. I did. Um, A different one, a a different way. Um, And so when he turns five, she takes him to the bank and he claims the heir ring and then he's allowed to pick a guardian. Without Dumbledore's interference. Now the question becomes is, who do I give him? If I go with Jonah, Jonah's on a personal mouth. Um, He has a connection. I think five is just a really good age for that. Um, uh, There's a reason you don't start school really, you know, know, kindergarten until you're five. Uh, As far as like intellectual and, and emotional ability. Um, I like Hero, but I also like Armand because Armand is, um, you've already sworn darker. to Potter. Huh? Mm-hmm. Well, you, in, in several six, you've, you've sworn Armand to the House of Potter. He is. No, no, that's Thaddeus and, no, that's Thaddeus oh. and, um, Zale. Okay. Um, both be too young at this point My to God. really stand against Dumbledore. But Armand is um he lives in Britain. Uh he doesn't have any international issues at play as far as you know, your hero Ito would. Uh he's darker, he's a parcel mouth, he's um just as likely to actually kill Dumbledore than he is to walk past him on the street. Now, Hero Ito is more of a politician. He's a politician, and mm-hmm. he's very um, capable of manipulation on on Dumbledore's level. But Armand will be like, I'll kill you. I will cut your fucking head off. I mean, I am mm-hmm. totally serious. I would kill you. Hero mm-hmm. is not in charge of the ICW at this time. That would be Dumbledore. Right. I don't know. I don't know. Um, there are a couple. Of, it's, 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 I like using my OCs, and I hate you know. I'm I'm perfectly capable of creating a new OC, but I invested a lot mm-hmm. of time in OC um, creation, and um, I like the ones that I have, and so it becomes like um, they're part of my head canon for I, Harry Potter. Yeah. Can I can I borrow something real quick though? Um, one of the the other things you've shown us real recently, or at least me real recently, is um, what happened with the uh, wizarding month or whatever. The, the wizard or not? Whatever. I got you. The, that the wizard, the the wizard court. Yes. 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 And and the the nice um, the the orb. If that thing popped out of its box. When Harry showed up, would that be of assistance to to determining who gets who? Um, well, it still becomes my choice. I, I, still, I still have to make a choice well, before. True. Um, but, I'm, but I'm I think that actually to... Harry wouldn't make the choice. I I believe that the fates will, will make the choice for him, and if that's the case, mm-hmm. she's going to pick one 
that she's the most familiar with, and that's going to be Armand Durin. Okay. Hmm. So, I mean, I like the idea of of Jonah because he's very maternal, very paternal, and very. Mm-hmm. Um, I like his personality and the way he, you know, kind of moves through um, my stories in in various roles. And even in his little side, right. even in his little, this tiny little cameo in Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond, I found really amusing. But I'm already making him. Um, he's the guardian um, for them, for Harry and Hermione in the unspeakable plot, um, and uh, he's Draco's. Uh, Proxy for the wizard court. Um, mm-hmm. Thaddeus and Zale would both be in their early twenties at this point, so they would not be right. able to really have any kind of power to stand against Dumbledore. Um, I think I want though that that even if Armand is picked by the fate to to be the primary caregiver and teacher of Harry, Jonah. I think would also look over at Armand and go, you know, he's family. I'm still going to pay attention. Don't fuck this up. Well, if I make him family in this particular story. um, Well, okay, fine. But, you know, you're the one who mentioned (laughs) the great aunt routine. I did. But, um, like I said, it's just something that I had done, um, that I made that connection with um, that particular Mm -hmm. story, which um, Sirius is in prison. Um, well, would he be for long in this particular universe? Well, it depends because the fates know who brought mm-hmm. Voldemort to Godric's Hollow, but there would have been no point in Nobody telling does. Harry. No, you can't tell Harry isn't is it, is it going to do any good. But she might mm-hmm. tell Armand. But the question becomes is how... Because the thing is, is that... Um, oh. Oh. Oh? Oh is interesting. So... Let's say the fates choose Armand, but he doesn't have the political pull that, say, Sirius Black's um, grandfather has. Oh. Yeah. So he retreats to the Black... Yeah, he died. um, um, He um, he was alive in 1991, and um, there's no reason... To say he might not live under different circumstances. Mm-hmm. So Arcturus Black gets a visit from Armand, and he's told that his grandson is actually not a Death Eater, and he's in Azkaban. Never how you say that. Um, mm-hmm. Without a trial, um, and is utterly innocent. Yeah, that would, I that think would the fates some... would not out Peter. 
I think the fates are waiting for an opportunity to eat Peter. Quick question. Is she mm-hmm. one of the ones that can go from itty bitty little snake to big ass fucking snake? She could be a big ass fucking snake because she's an elemental. And I haven't really played with the um, mythology of the rune spore beyond the fact that she's, you Did know, you? They're, they're dark as fuck in, in Harry Potter and a soulmate bond. So she could yeah. be fucking ginormous. Um, Did you ever watch Beetlejuice? <laughs> Yes, I did. <laughs> you remember the scene where that damn yeah, snake Jason? Yeah. <laughs> but I do like the idea of the fates just snatching Peter right out of Ron's bed first year. Like, she just bides her time, and there he is, sitting on the pillow, asleep. And she just swishes up there and eats him. Yeah. The, the only thing is, is I hope if a... a um, animators dies in their form, they actually stay that size, size instead of you know, returning to a human size because that'd be a hell of a case of indigestion. She can get over it. She can get big. But now, see, I do make a very large rune spore in Harry Potter and a Soulmate Bond, um, a Grand Medusa. Um. I have it. I, yeah, I do remember that one. Okay. Yeah, so I could make her a Grand Medusa and give her the ability to be very small or very big. Mm-hmm. And if I make her a different version of Runespore, that will allow me to create my own mythology around her without dealing with a bunch of assholes mm-hmm. in the comments telling me how I should do it and how they wish I had done Based it. Off of- or, mm-hmm. yeah. There is actually nothing yeah. more infuriating um, as a writer when I label something alternate universe, that means that absolutely any part of it is up for grabs. Yeah. And is subject to change. Anything goes. And I hate anything people goes. who are so cemented in and so rigid about ideas and how things are supposed to work that they're incapable of stretching their mind out to embrace a different perspective on it. It's really, really, really annoying. Mm-hmm. And I get that a lot in comments. Well that's not what you did here. Well fuck you. I can do what I want. It's I'm a an new adult. Universe. For God's sake, people, it's a new universe. You I'm an adult. Over the given universe is fine. <laughs> and this it, it is the fucking want. point of an AU. But a lot of people don't quite get that. Um my biggest, hugest fucking pet peeve in any fandom is to open up a story um, and get a slightly different version of what happened in canon. If I wanted to read Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, I would fucking read it. I don't need a point-by-point copy written by a fan. Mm-hmm. Come on, branch out a little. That's actually plagiarism. Mm-hmm. Spread your wings. <laughs> and changing one fucking sentence doesn't make it fan fiction. It's still plagiarism. No. Changing the sex of the person doesn't make it either. You know? Although, admittedly, then he has only roommates, or she has only roommates at that point. 
I'm just saying that if I want to read the Chamber of Secrets, I have it in hardcover. I don't want to go over to AO3 and read another version of the fucking Chamber of Secrets. If you're going to tell a second-year story, tell me a second-year story. Don't tell me J.K. Rowling's second-year story. I've already fucking read it. I'm just saying. This could be one of my biggest pet peeves. It is. I'm going to jerk you back on task here. Okay, whatever. Um... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you saw. <laughs> Julie says, wait, this got- is actually great because I've seen this. Or worse, change every single thing about Harry grew up and then retell the Philosopher's Stone with no changes. <laughs> oh, God. Because that would have gone the fucking same, right? Oh, yeah, no, that's not happening. Look, here's the thing that I want you to remember when you make a change. Big or small, it ripples out and impacts every single thing that happens in the story. It changes your character. It changes how other characters interact with your character. It changes events. Changes ripple. They're not, they don't take place in a vacuum. So if you make Harry a girl... Everything about his life changes. In this case, everything. you may carry an ancient. Everything changes. If mm-hmm. I give him his father's familiar, everything changes. Nothing is quite the same. Events won't take place at, at the right time or the right places they did before. Um, some events want to happen, and all new events will happen, new relationships will form. He might get sorted into Slytherin. As a matter of fact, I think he would get sorted into Slytherin um, if he had a snake familiar. Yeah. Um, and if he I was raised by Armand Deering, he wouldn't actually be all that upset to be <laughs> sorted. Um, and, oh, yeah, absolutely. Dolores probably wouldn't have actually got to come to Hogwarts Uh in some circumstances. Oh, God. Um, you know, here's, here's yeah, the other thing. And Julie says if, if Harry had real parents, he would definitely have written home and told them about the three-headed fucking dog on the third floor. I don't oh, know why the Weasleys yeah. didn't. Why didn't Ron write home and tell his mom that he had a three-fucking-headed dog on the, on the third floor? Molly would have been all, all up in that school because you know she was a helicopter mom or a broom oh. mom, <laughs> whatever it mm-hmm. might be. In the magical world, she'd have been all up in Hogwarts saying, what the fuck, Dumbledore? You can't have a damn dog like that around my kids, around my Ronikins. Oh, God. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, oh, my God, I want to write it. I want to write it where Ron sends a letter to Molly and tells her that there's a three-headed dog on the third floor, and she comes to Hogwarts. (laughs) Oh, better. She sends him a fucking howler. She sends Dumbles a house. Oh. Oh, my God. It says whole and name. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That would be so fucking funny and so cracky. And, and, and I would have to call it, it Helicopter Molly. That would work. What I was going to say is at the end of the, the screaming howler, remember in, in the movie, and I don't know if you've seen it, there's a, a scene where um, Ron gets a howler, and it's, it's, it's a howler. 
And at the very end of it, the howler turns over to, I think it was to Harry, and goes, and Harry, thank you very much for whatever it was that he did. And then it rips itself up into pieces. So (laughs) what I can honestly see is, you know, Molly having this screaming fit at at Dumbledore in the middle of dinner. And then the the thing turns around, looks at, quote unquote, looks at Ron, and says something really sweet and maternal, you know, uh, and then it rips itself into pieces. The thing is, is Dark says that she thought um, Dumbledore shat glitter and sunshine, but even in canon, Molly drew the line with her own kids. Molly, who mm-hmm. thought the blacks were dark for doing what they did, and you know, not wanting to fight, not mm-hmm. wanting to her kids to be killers, I and mean, you know, she's just being don't do this, don't do that. And what does she do in the last book? She kills Bellatrix over her daughter. Mm-hmm. So I don't actually think that she would tolerate Dumbledore having a three-headed dog in a room in Hogwarts with her kids. Because right now there are four kids, four of her babies at Hogwarts, mm-hmm. and one of them has already seen the dog, which means mm-hmm. the twins are not far behind if they, they, they haven't, haven't already, already found it. seen it. Because... Yes. She's got, he's because one of them going to say, well, you know, Dumbledore told us not to go on the third floor or we would die. And we went on the third floor and, and we found Percy. a Cerberus. <laughs> we yes. found the and, hellhound and the, on the third floor. Yes. What I, what I was going to... Uh, Harry Potter's not her kid. This. No. And she doesn't Darcy's really and how did she much? let Dumbledore keep Harry at the Dursleys? First... She has no power whatsoever on Harry's circumstances. She has no standing whatsoever. Two, he's not her kid. He is her daughter's meal ticket. Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, at in that my point, personal she's never canon, and in my personal canon, she's nice to Harry for Jenny mm-hmm. because she wants Jenny to get the boy who lived. Everything that Molly does for Harry from the very beginning was manipulation for Jenny. So that Jenny, her princess, her baby, her favorite, could get what she wanted. And that was the rich boy who lived. Uh Uh-huh. But when it came to her kids, it was an entirely different matter. Mm-hmm. Now, just imagine how she would react in the future if Harry dared to divorce Jenny. Harry would stop being You've... one part of the big Weasley family in a fucking heartbeat. So You flirted with that twice that I know of. Okay. Yeah. And in one it was it's the, the bad Weasley E A D thing. And in that one, um, Molly didn't have much choice in the fact that accepting that there was a good and legitimate reason in her eyes. Yeah, you know, I don't always want to make Molly, because sometimes I I get tired of bashing Molly, just because, number one, it's easy to do, and um, number two, I just get tired of talking about her. Right, but in the other one I remember, and I don't think it ever made EAD-ness, is... um, Harry, if I recall, parked Jenny in a cottage somewhere in Wales and left her there. 
or her mother's oh, house or whatever. Um, that is that is that is on EAD, and that is the beginning of my revenge AU, where Harry and Hermione go back in time to kill everybody. Yeah, I, rem- I remember adoring that. I-, I was very happy with that one. And then and Harry came up threatened and to, stole everything. Harry threatened to put Ginny in a shack in Bulgaria to get rid of her. Uh-huh. That's what it was, because she she's living at home. And she's living at home because mm-hmm. he caught her dosing him with love potions. Um, but he can't divorce her because she's a pureblood. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I think I would have parked her in that shack in Bulgaria and made sure that there was no heat. <laughs> but yeah, there's that one. Um but no, mm-hmm. you know, I think that Molly is actually um she's very protective of her family. And if you're in her family, she protects you. And if you're not in her family, you're a target. And what can she get from you? Harry isn't in her yes, family. Though, yes, in Phoenix point. um I'm um, pinpointed out in the Phoenix. Yeah, in Phoenix, um the the Phoenix uh excerpt that's on my site, Harry mm-hmm. comes from the future in a bracelet to his younger self and that future version did isolate Jenny until she killed herself. And he did it in revenge because um mm-hmm. the Weasleys basically destroyed Hermione's magic and drove her to suicide. So in response yep. he ruined the whole family. And drove Ginny to suicide. <laughs> Works for me. And honestly, I shouldn't admit this because it's terrible and it speaks to my bad influence, but that wasn't my idea. That was my niece's. She was like, <laughs> and he should kill, and he should kill, kill all of them in the future. I was like, are you sure he should kill them? And she was like, well, he should do to Ginny what they did to Hermione. <laughs> I was like, okay, I wrote that down. <laughs> oh, so many things. Hey, so what I was trying to get back to was um, if Armand and and uh, Armand has primary raising of of um, of Harry with the black influence and Jonah and possibly Sirius all in there. What I was trying to think is if he if Harry goes into Slytherin. I, I have to, I mean, you, you've already mentioned before in various fics that if Harry goes into Slytherin, the year groups around them are going to have a very interesting survival rate. <laughs> There's actually um, a story that I wrote where Harry's having a conversation with the Sorting Hat, and he was like, the Sorting Hat was like, well, I can't put you in Slytherin because you'd kill them all. <laughs> yeah. I don't even remember what one that one is, but yeah, I, I'm I'm with you on that one because, you know, he he, I don't know if he'd kill them, maim them, or make them run. You know, I also have one making... where Molly um, potioned Jenny and emotionally abused her into denying her sexuality Ooh. to be with Harry. Oh yeah, yeah, I and I she's actually a lesbian. Yeah, and then I have another one where she potioned Jenny to suppress her orientation to get with um, Harry, and it kills Jenny. 
um, she gives birth and she dies during birth. Her um, her core is shattered because of the potion abuse. Um, she had a crack and the oh, the, the stress of childbirth um, killed her. And um, it's Molly's fault. That one. No, it's um, it's very uh, partial. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so Ravenclaw. Okay. <laughs> no, I still think I put him in Slytherin in this particular story. Because if he's raised by Armand and Arcturus Black, he's not going to be um, a Gryffindor by any stretch of the imagination. He's he's going to be gray. He's a parcel mouth and his nanny is a snake. That, that uh-huh. pretty much sums it up right there. <laughs> He's gonna go into the to, to Slytherin, and I've never actually written Harry as a Slytherin, so that's really interesting. But again, I still don't know why exactly um, the ancient concept has weight here, and that's important. Like I said before, you just can't throw something into a story. Um, well, no. Well, hang on. Here's here's the thing. Hermione, it, Harry didn't influence Hermione into um, Gryffindor. No. She made it. He barely met. Her, he barely met her, and she was um, sorted before him. him. Yeah. So, but Harry could influence okay. her on the train, and she could end up in. Um, in, um, in Ravenclaw or even Hufflepuff. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that be great if Hermione was a Hufflepuff? Uh, she's as blindly loyal, as, or not blindly, but she's as loyal as as any as any Hufflepuff ever. Um, and they will be kind to her, this? even though she's crazy. <laughs> she is. I kind of want to put her in Hufflepuff, but no, I probably put her in Ravenclaw, and she'd probably ruin Cho's life. Well, there's a there's a thing worth doing, and you know, um, definitely keep Luna under one wing and proceed to make everybody's life an absolute misery who fucks with her. Um, you've got the high elves as being the reason why. Um, a lot of things got on the, the, the statute of secrecy or whatever it is and, and are hidden, okay? Um, what the high elves? They aren't elves. They're ancient. Oh. Oh, they're furlings. Oh. <laughs> hey, there's your furlings. Someone actually wrote that where they weren't actually furlings. They were fairlings, and it was a translation error. And they were actually elves. Yeah. It's really interesting. I, I, I yep. forget who wrote it. Um, yes, the Raven, Ravenclaw was mean to Luna. But, yep. as I said, when you change one thing, it ripples out. And then you change multiple things, multiple things ripple out. If Hermione gets sorted into Ravenclaw, Hermione is nothing like Luna. And depending no. on how... The um, she took a lot of shit from Ron before she completely lost it. Mm-hmm. 
But she was also greatly ignored by her roommates and handled that very differently. So who's to say that Hermione wouldn't come into Ravenclaw and the first time she gets bullied or abused, she curses the shit out of somebody? Literally. Impact she might have gotten because she met Harry on the train. Mm-hmm. So by the time Luna sorts into Ravenclaw, being a bully in Ravenclaw is quite dangerous <laughs> for the bully. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Works for me. <laughs> Can you just imagine Hermione with all her big ass hair getting taken to the um, Flitwick's office by the Ravenclaw prefect? Um, is it prefect or prefect? What? How do you say that? I've I never watched prefect. the movies. Prefect. I've never watched the movies, so I have no idea how they say it. Um, prefect. Thank you, Jilly. Prefect. But I don't want to watch the movies, so don't suggest I do so. No. Um, I have a pure love for the books. I'd rather it not be um, perverted with the movies. As much as I enjoy Emma Watson. No, 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 I meant perverted. Okay. (laughs) Anyways, what was I saying? Oh, can you just imagine Hermione while her big hair being taken into Flitwick's office and him asking her why she cursed, I don't know, Cho Chang or whoever um, bullied her. And she would be like, consequences. She had to have consequences for her actions. <laughs> she just mm-hmm. had this whole big speech about psychological impact and how bullying yes. is mentally damaging and, so, and just as abusive as physical abuse. <laughs> you know, honestly, I can say flip, I can see Flip going, okay, I can get all that, but did you have to do the explosive diarrhea in my classroom? <laughs> It's just like, you know, I just kind of think that given the right um, direction that Hermione could be an an absolute terrorist. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because, you know, in Gryffindor, there's this whole bullying atmosphere. It's very acceptable in in Gryffindor, and it's Mm -hmm. probably... Related to the um, to the twins, how the twins and yeah, but the twins have probably moved into that environment and they got it thrown on them every day. Back to the Marauders, probably probably so. or even be or even before them, that that kind of bullying Mm -hmm. is very acceptable um, in Gryffindor, in Hogwarts, but especially in Gryffindor. Mm Mhm. But um. If you put Hermione in a different house and she has a different Harry talking to her about it and say, you know what? You don't actually have to put up with any of that shit. They don't have mm-hmm. the right. They're not entitled to abuse you. Um, and the next time one of them pushes her or takes something from her or hides her books or hides her shoes, she unloads on them. And then and suddenly bullying becomes very dangerous in Ravenclaw. <laughs> yep. And she doesn't mind serving detention. But she'd rather you didn't take points. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Works for me. I'm just saying that, you know, when you think about it, when you think about making a change in a story, it, it has to ripple out. And, um, I think that for the um, 
for the ancient element of the story, the reason that it's important is because it is the power that Voldemort knows not. It's not love. It's the abilities of an ancient. Um, well, you know, hmm. Dark says that Hermione wouldn't get caught because she wants to be head girl. Um, if you're going to make a stand against something like that, you don't want it to be a secret. That's the point. No. You want everybody to know you did it and why you did it. Because you can't make, you can't effect change through secrecy. So if she wants to be treated with respect like everybody else and she wants to be, you know, she has to get, she has to not even worry about getting caught. It's not about that. It's about self-respect. And um, being honest and saying, you know what, this is this is bullshit, and you do something about it, and you weren't doing anything about it, so I did. Mm-hmm. So it, you know, she has to take a stand. So I see power of the ancient being the um, the uh, thing that Voldemort knows not. Um, mm-hmm. And I've made a list of things that I really liked about that: the hands-on healing, um, the intelligence, the telekinesis, and the telepathy. Um, and I like the element of the rune spore, and I like making her a Grand Medusa, so I can kind of really explore her mythology in a mm-hmm. way that um, allows me to open up and not have to focus so much on what other people have done and what happens in mythology with the rune spore. Anyways, we're down to a minute and 12 seconds. So are you going to write a Stargate story where the ancients um, um, found it in magic? I'll add it to the list of other things I may end up writing because of the series of, of, of story of um, podcasts. But what will probably happen is the one we, we plotted last night. That may happen first. I had all my notes on that one from last night. I really enjoyed that. That was really fun. Um, yeah, I've got, I've got notes on it, too. I look they're, forward to reading the story. in our shared chat. Yep. That was your Tony Dinoza story, by the way, for those, yep, yep, for yep. those of you who are listening. So you can back up mm-hmm. and listen to the previous podcast. Thank you in advance. <laughs> um and hear all about me, um, Lady Holder, and Jilly um, plotting Tony leaving NCIS or just leaving Washington. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you, Team Gibbs. Anyway, <laughs> you guys have Woo. a great weekend, and I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. <laughs>